on today's episode of Gathering the King. Sometimes it's just about making a decision, you know, and sticking with it and moving forward. And then if you have to go ahead and pivot, I mean, we can pivot in business. We pivot all the time, but making a decision and going forward with that, I think is super important, especially in real estate. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody. I'm Chaz Wolf. We're gathering the Kings. We're back to you this week with Brian Wagers. Welcome to the uh, King stage, my brother. How are you? Thanks, Chaz. I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. You know, I was just, I was, we were just talking, this is p- partly for the listener here. You know, we were going back and forth yesterday and today and rescheduling this time just because I was doing some traveling. And so I'm in the mobile podcast studio today in South Florida, not in our normal one in Kansas City. But dude, I'm just so I'm I'm jacked for the show. I hope that the a listener has come ready to do some some hardcore real estate studying because I personally am excited even for the show. I'm I'm excited for all of them. But this one I want I'm, I'm I want to get some information from you. So tell us what you do, what kind of business that you're in, kind of give us the rundown, give us the the quick version of 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 who you are. Yeah. So I'm in the commercial real estate industry and more specifically apartment buying industry. So We buy apartments, fix them up, whether that's through exteriors, interiors, professional property management, we get in there and improve systems and increase the value on those apartments. So we're running those like a business and with a business, you usually need capital. So we raise that capital from investors, some institutional, some private equity people, just, you know, busy entrepreneurs like yourself and me. Um, who want to invest in real estate. So we pull their money and some of our money together and we take down these apartments and add value to them. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I got introduced to multifamily several years ago. And since then, it's always been just a, a very hot topic, I think, over the last several years. But then just even for, for me personally, I've just known that it makes a lot of sense. Because of what you just said, you can run a business. It's not just like a piece of property. It's like a business inside of this property. And so I love that angle of it. So at this stage in the game, you kind of gave a a pretty high level overview there, but like, you know, you, you kind of gave me a little bit of your story before we got on, but just for the listener's sake, before I ask you this one question, because I always like to ask this one question before we jump into your story, give us just a little understanding of the authority that you have in the industry. Like how many units we talking about, how much you raise in, like, just get, give us a little flex here. Yeah. So I've been involved in over $150 million in real estate transactions. I've raised over 15 million in private equity and probably another 20 or so from institutional. And so that's over 2000 doors with my partners and myself. Before that, now I'm more of a general partner. So when you get into these larger 150 unit deals, last year we took down a 446 unit apartment in one swing. Earlier this year, we closed on 190 unit. Earlier this year, a 226 units. And then I did some joint venture stuff on the side. So that's kind of how I got started. 
the smaller medium sized apartments. So maybe your, your 20 unit deal, your 82 units, 54 yeah. units type stuff where you don't necessarily need a huge team to do that. And that's kind right. of how I got my hands dirty and, and yeah. it started. That's awesome. Okay. So that, that's definitely, I appreciate the, the flex there. I know that's difficult to do sometimes, especially when you get put on the spot, but yeah, sure. the reason why I ask is because the, the first question is this, at this stage, like you kind of even just gave us a little bit of your history too, because you got started with the smaller deals. You're kind of doing it on your own. We'll get to more in your story, but now you've, you know, you've got, you've got a whole like process and system, multiple partners, and you guys are, you guys are swinging for the fences, but why? That's the question. Why do you press at this level? You've made phenomenal money. Why do you continue to push now even looking for bigger and bigger and bigger deals? Why, why do you think you continue to do that? Yeah, I mean, I, I could stop working right now and just be fine for the rest of my life if I really wanted to. That's not really the legacy that I want to create for my, you know, future family. I don't have a family yet. You know, I have a wife and we have four, four animals, but, you know, we'll have a, a, a pet, pet family, but yeah. we'll eventually have kids. And, you know, I, I want, I want to create a future for them and a future for their kids and their kids and, you know, kind of create a, a legacy there as far as like on a selfish level, but yeah. on a, on an unselfish level, you know, it's, I like doing it. I like talking to investors. I like talking to business owners. I like helping them grow their capital outside of the stock market, outside of, you know, they work super hard to get to where they want or yeah. are and where they have this large amounts of capital. So it's kind of fun to talk to them about different vehicles outside of just throwing it in the stock market or putting it in a high savings account, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Lots of different options with real estate that a lot of guys don't know about and the creative process that you can get into. So what I'm hearing you say, which I just absolutely love is that, which first off, even just for the listener, I just want you guys to really understand who you're listening to. He just said that he, they don't even have kids yet. And he could literally not work for the rest of his life and he'd be just fine. Like you're listening to someone who has created something within a few years that is just, you know, something that most people dream of. And so the reason why I'm hearing you push is because it's who you're made to be. You want more, you want to be able to give something bigger to your kids than even you have now. And the fact that you love it, like, do you feel like you love like the strategy behind those conversations? Do you love meeting the people? Like, what do you, what do you specifically love about it? You think? Man, I, I like executing and over-delivering for people, being able to finally get there, get the opportunity. I tell these people, hey, I'm going to do what I'm telling you I'm going to do. And then yeah. being able to over-deliver on that and be able to give them higher returns or give them, you know, over-communicate on, on the whole process. I think, you know, it's really fun. Like, I, I like doing deals. It's probably why I'm, you know, at this level, I'm continuing to grow to the next level. It's that whole mindset of, not necessarily being complacent where I'm at, you know, that's fine to be appreciate, you know, I appreciate, you know, where I'm at, but I'm not set here. There's still so much more I can uh, yeah. achieve and have. But yeah, grateful, but not done. Yeah, grateful, but for not done. And there's conversations, you know, I, I like, yeah, I like meeting the people. I like hearing how they create, you know, it's pretty interesting that you have this this, the, this podcast and you're, you're hearing about how people are in their own entrepreneurial rights. And I'm having similar conversations with high net worth investors. And it's, it's pretty cool to see, you know, their, their insight on how they grew their business. Yeah, exactly. What do you think like at this, like, I guess, I guess the, there's just so many different creative ways you can go in, in real estate. And so 
was it was it multifamily specifically that kind of like hooked you at one point or was it real estate in general and that just kind of where you you know fell or like give us a little bit of that background yeah there's a thousand different ways to build wealth and you know create income in real estate so I was first looking, you know, so I, I was in sales or, you know, and I was doing really well there. Cold call sales, you know, three years, grinding it out, building my book of business. And I was doing well. I was maxing out my Roth IRA account. And I knew I had to do something outside of uh, just putting it in the stock, you know, putting it in an IRA account. So sure, it was, it was either the stock market or real estate. And I messed around with the stock market and I was trying to speculate and I, pot GoPro at like $35 and it went to $5. And I had like, for me, it was a big deal. I put, so I put like a thousand or $2,000 on it. And it was a big deal for me at the time. And, you know, it was just, just watched it go, you know, to basically nothing. And you, they, you, people might say you only lose when you sell, but if you look at it right now, it's at like $6. So if I would have held it for another five years, I would still be not in a good situation, but so yeah. I, I had no control over that outcome. You know, I was yeah. just trying to see this, this company. They didn't decide to go in the drone industry. They made some, a couple other not so good business moves. And that led me to real estate. So I picked real estate. I knew I was going to do it. And I started looking for single family homes to rent. You know, so I, I found a single family home in my backyard. It was like $89,000. I set up listings for anything under hundred thousand dollars. I would get you know, notifications and I would immediately try to make offers on it, underwrite it. And so I picked up this little $89,000 house. I had my life savings of $25,000 at the time. And I, I, I stuck that in there. The, the rent was $950. My mortgage was like $400. No, it was fine. The guy paid me on Venmo first of the month. There was no like horror stories or anything like that. It was, he was actually a good, good resident, you know, and it was just, once I got in there a couple months, it was like, am I going to buy one house every 10 years or so, like to get where I want to be? Right. So it was just the speed of that. And, and a lot of what I was listening to and reading, a lot of people, you know, quote unquote, graduated to commercial real estate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you have office, retail, industrial, self-storage. But for me, I understood the principles of multi You know, you have the, the foundation of residential real estate where you have cash flow and appreciation, but you have these economies of scale of multifamily and, you, and you're getting the commercial side of it. So that made the most sense to me. It performed the best during previous recessions. I really liked the scalability of it. And I loved the idea of having a property manager there where I'm not having to be doing the properties themselves, pay to have a property manager and do better when you have you know, good property managers and trying to manage it yourself. So I yeah, really yeah. like that aspect and it, it drew me to the, the multifamily space. Yeah, I think I think that for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, a lot of people talk about a multifamily and or are in it. And so I, I love multifamily and especially for this show because we can correlate it to running a business because that's exactly what it is. You're you are literally running a business. You've got your key individual, you know, your 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 COO there at the management office, you know, if you will, for that one individual location, the operations director, property manager, whatever you want to call them. And it's, it's the same thing that the listeners are trying to get to right now. They're at a six figure place in their business. They're trying to get to the seven figure mark. They're trying to build a team. They're trying to build systems, right? And so in essence, that's what you guys do with each one of your properties is that you have systems and you have a team so that the investors don't have to be 
hands-on. It can be passive or, you know, generally speaking. And so what would you say from that perspective, knowing who's listening right now, knowing what you've built, knowing that it's all about the systems, the team, all these things that are in place that enables guys like you and I to step away, if you will, what would you say would be the best decision that you've made or what can the listener do on the inside of one of those things, systems, building a team, being able to grow something so that they can step away and not have to be wearing every single hat in the business? Yeah. So I think it goes to a good book, who, not how. So it's really not how you get there. It's, it's who you do it with. And I think not being afraid to give up some control, you know, you're going to give up some control. Yeah. You could make maybe a percent or two more if, if you do certain things yourself, but you're really giving up the opportunity cost of spending your time on some lower level tasks when really you can use someone to get you to where you want to go and get you to where your wealth, whether that be, you know, your personal wealth, you know, trying to manage that yourself or, you know, trusting it in someone who can grow it. Yeah. Whether that be mowing your lawn, you know, paying $40 or $100 or wherever, wherever you're at, you know, to mow your lawn. Unless some people like mowing lawns, so maybe that's not a good example. But, you know, so, so if you can hire it out for what you're less per hour, then, yeah. then I would hire that out all day. You know, that, that's a no brain. So I think figuring out how much your time is worth per hour, you can do the math pretty easily, how much you're making a year and, and look at that and how, how much a task, how long that's going to take you. You know, I think hiring that out is, is a great, you know, first step, you know, hiring out lower level tasks. The position that the listener is in is maybe when you were, you know, maybe one or two properties in, maybe in some of those smaller, those 20, 30, 40, 80 units, where maybe it wasn't like, you know, you could go get a cream top notch property manager, you know, like that's, they're, they're, they're listening to you going, it sounds good, Brian, but like, that's a lot harder than it seems. And so what's, what's the next level to that? It's like, okay, I understand who, not how, but like, how do I go? do that, whether it's in my real estate business and like handing off my, my investments to a guy like you or hiring out the mower or hiring somebody in my business to do admin work or to do whatever the tasks are specifically that you're referring. What's the next step there? Is it hiring? Is it, is it filling out job descriptions? Like what, what, what would you have them go do? Yeah. So I would say maybe something that they don't like doing in their business. You know, I would say that that's something that maybe, you, you can create systems for, uh, and, and so either you're creating systems to where you don't have to spend as much time on it, or you're looking at hiring someone that has the systems in place that you can do that, that, that can take over that part of your business and, and then training them up. Sometimes people go the virtual, you know, if, if you're looking to save money, a lot of people do the virtual assistant route. So that, that's a great opportunity there. It is, you, you are front loading your work there. So you're going to have to train them for, you know, several months to really get them to the level that you're looking yeah. to. But once you get them there, you know, you should be setting yourself up, you know, after that first initial phase. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great, that's a great first step, you know, to, to begin that process. But I just, I, I want the listener to understand what you're saying really, which is like guys, like even in real estate, even the guys that talk about passive income, these big multifamily properties, what, what Brian is doing inside the property is that there's a team in place, that there's, there's people doing tasks. It's not like he's, he's filling out the applications or he's collecting rents. And like, these are the, 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 the to-dos, if you will, 
of that business. And that it would be, it, it would be absurd to think that him and his position would do that. And so you have to start thinking like this guy's thinking. And so I want to flip the coin, Brian, what, what was a bad decision that you made along the way that just was almost detrimental to everything that you've had or been able to accomplish? Keep us away from the bad stuff. Yeah. So I guess, you know, as I'm, you know, as I'm growing, I, I, I've had pretty good growth. You know, I haven't, I, I've been pretty, you know, knock on wood. I haven't had any crazy, mo you know, that, that big loss in the stock market was a big one for me. I guess when I, one of my first 12 units, I over renovated it. I put, I put like six inch graded concrete. I put like a, the, the property itself was, you know, I bought it for just under $500,000 and I put almost a $50,000 new parking lot on it just because I thought I would have it forever. But really that money could have much better been spent on interior renovations or, or held somewhere else on the exterior. But I just thought it would look good. You know, I thought it would look cool. And, you know, I, I just went with, you know, what I thought might do well, but I didn't consult with my property manager. I should have asked my property manager going in, maybe I was kind of afraid to ask them like by sounding like I, I didn't want to sound like a newbie or something like that, or I didn't yeah, want to, you know, be seeking advice. So I, I should have asked my property manager, Hey, what, what do you think the highest and best use of some of these capital funds could be going into this property? Like, here's what I think, you know, what are you, what are your two cents? And he, maybe he would have said, yeah, the parking lot could have been redone, but maybe we should just repave it instead of, right. you know, re, recreating everything or, you know, giving me some different inputs as far as the best use of that, that capital. Yeah. What a, what a great, and I mean, Ian and, and humble answer. I mean, I think all of our mistakes allow us to remain humble, right? But I'm just thinking of, of really the principle there that you're, that you're sharing, Brian, is just so incredible because how many times do we feel like we have to wear the mask or the face or the, the shirt or whatever you want to call it, you know, of looking like we got to know what we got it together, you know, and when all it, all it takes is, you know, asking for help or even asking someone on our team. And oftentimes to your point, they know, they know what to do, or they know quicker, better answers. And we just, we're just not utilizing them because we feel like we have to have it all together. Where, where in the moment for you, like where in your journey, did you realize that, or maybe that, that skill set of going, okay, I don't know it all. And so therefore I'm willing to put down the ego and ask questions like that. Was it after that mistake or kind of what was that aha moment for you? Yeah, I would say that was, that was a big one for me right there. As you continue to grow, I think you, you look for opportunities where you find more mentors or people that are in places that you want to be, that you're not necessarily there yet and your peers and asking them, not being afraid to ask their opinion. I probably wouldn't ask, you know, I love my mom and stuff, but I'm not asking her opinion on some of these higher level, you know, business decisions and, you know, adjustments for, for the, my growth. So I think asking the right people is definitely been helpful in my growth. Yeah. So if I had to nail that down for the, for the listener, two things is what he said. He said, first off, you have to recognize that you're not, you're not the guy. I mean, you're the guy we, we all know, like, you know, we get it. You started the company, you put your neck out there. We get it. But the quicker you can realize that the people behind you are as important, if not more important than you, then it, or, or the people that you're surrounding yourself with, which is your second point of, so lowering the ego and being willing to ask questions or gain insight from those that are around you, but then also being careful from who you're gaining insight from is what I'm picking up. Anything else you want to add there? Yeah, for sure. No, that's, 
you nailed it on the head there. And, and like, as you're growing, I think being okay to bring on, you know, maybe other partners as you're growing, you know, so we, we talked a little bit about, you know, as I'm growing from these 20 to 50, 82 unit, I had a lot, I was the only, you know, general partner on that. I was the one putting the deal together and finding the deals, you know, and I wouldn't be, I would still be in the couple hundred door, you know, mark if I wanted to hold on to all the equity, if I wasn't giving up a piece of that equity to really grow to these, you know, 6,000 door count, you know, that were right. my team currently owns. So I think being okay to give up a portion, but knowing, being, knowing when to give up that portion, I think is super important and, you know, not being afraid to give it up, but not giving it up too soon too, I think is something to, you know, it's always yin and yang there, but you know, I yeah. think you should definitely have that in the back of your mind as you're growing. Yeah, I think that's super practical, especially for these guys that are, are trying to, you know, grow up to a point in business where they've got enough resources to make some bigger decisions. But man, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and oftentimes, it, guys like you and I, we figure that out later, which is once we, once we kind of had built some great things, then we realize, man, who not how, or in this case, who can I partner with? How can I get there faster? And oftentimes it is giving up a piece of the pie to be able to get a smaller piece of a bigger pie. And, and I think, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know how, I don't, cause we're not taught entrepreneurship in school. So I don't know if, I don't know how we learned that, but the principle of like, hold on tight, like it's all yours. Like, even if you only have a hundred percent of this little small piece of pie, it's great to be by yourself. Partnerships evil. You know, I don't, I don't know where that comes from other than just like maybe horror stories. But I mean, you've had excellent, it sounds like your, your team is made of great partners and you guys have, have had this huge, massive success. And so what would you say from a partnership perspective? The guys listening right now going, oh, I partnered with my brother or I partnered with a friend or I, I've heard horror stories of other partners. What would you say from that angle of what, what's worked for you guys? Yeah, so that's a, a great point. You know, you want to make sure you're partnering up with the right people. And the biggest thing is how can you add value to each other? You're not, if you got two analytical guys, you know, that's great. You guys might get along, but that might not be the best set of compliments to each other. You, you might want someone that's going to be going, shaking hands and meeting people in person or, or on the phones while you got someone else running the numbers, or you might someone have someone else that, you know, is good at some of the acquisitions. So for us, we have a head of acquisitions. We have an asset manager. We have me on the investor side, focusing on where the capital is coming from. And then we have our CEO and our CEO. So, you know, those are all super important pieces to the, to the team and each having our own roles. But, you know, I think one, you, you want to have the same principles and morals, you know, that that's huge. You know, that, that should be the, the first kind of conversation is make sure you're on the same page, you know, make sure you have the same values, principles, morals, I think are, are going to make it for a lot better partnership in the long run. And, and make sure you're pretty transparent with each other, you know, as far as where you see yourself in the next five years. Yeah. Some people go as far as doing the DSCR. There's some testing out there, you know, which I haven't done. I think that's pretty like overkill personally, but I think that some people have had some great success with it. You know, the DI scales and the I scales, but for me, it's just how is my partner complementing my skills? How are my skills complementing them? And yep. what can we both focus on to help us both grow, you know, where, where the sum is greater than the parts. Yeah. I, I think everything that you just said, whether you're getting into the weeds of personality profiles or skill sets or whatever, I think it's, 
super important to have the the big blocks uh, tackled first, which are going to be your how do we see life? How do we view life? How do we do life? You know, and I think even with building a team, you eventually get into maybe the more detailed pieces of maybe personality traits or how you were raised or whatever, and how those things kind of affect your decision-making ability or whatever goes into the individual skill set of that, that role that you're trying to define for that person. And whether that's a partner or a team member, I think you yeah. can go as far, you can go as far into the weeds as you want to on that one. Yeah. That's good, man. Okay. So do you have any sort of like, when it comes to decisions specifically, we've kind of talked about some good and bad decisions here. Do you have a process or any sort of discipline that you follow or take decisions through in order to ensure that you're making good decisions? Yeah. So I try to make decisions very quickly. I think that's, that's the main thing for me. I, I'm, I'm very fast when it comes to decision-making. I think that's something that's actually really helped me grow fast, making a decision quickly. And I think Knowing your goals super clearly, where you want to go with your business, knowing what you're trying to accomplish, I think is, is super important. So it can help you make decisions quickly. For me, I, you know, I, I get hundreds of emails a day and I'm able to knock, you know, I end the day with pretty much nothing in my inbox because I'm just replying super fast, you know, so I, I'm, right. I'm making those decisions quickly. So for me, it's more of speed than it is anything else. Yeah. I think that, that that's a great answer even in itself because entrepreneurs are making decisions all day long. Right. And, and that's, that's what, that's what you're doing. It sounds like for you, it's your inbox that that's kind of where you're managing a lot of those decisions. But for another guy, it could be text messages or phone calls or meetings with his people or meetings with clients, whatever it is. But what I'm hearing you say the most kind of resounding pieces to make decisions quickly, but I also heard you say, which you kind of threw it in there was you're able to make decisions quickly because you know what you want. Yeah. If you know what know you what want, then you can run fast, you know? Know what you want, know what your goals are. You know, it, it'll definitely help you make decisions quickly if it's getting you to where you want to go. You know, you, you as far as speed goes, you, you have a lot of people, you know, especially in the real estate industry, you know, if you're going to these local meetups or you, you see some of the same people that have been, been there for years but haven't done anything because they're so caught up and making the decision, right decision or not. Sometimes it's just about making a decision, you know, and sticking with it and moving forward. And then if you have to go ahead and pivot, yeah, I mean, we can pivot in business, we pivot all the time, but making a decision and, and going forward with that, I think is, is super important, especially in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. You can't pivot if you're not in motion. Right. Exactly. Right? So you got to get in motion is what I'm hearing you saying. That's super good, man. I want to, I want to transition here to the speed round. I'm curious to hear some of your answers on these. The first one is this, if you could only pick one metric to track inside of your properties and or businesses, however, we're going to kind of label them. What would be that one metric that you would pick to track forever and ever? Yeah. Net operating income. So Good old NOI. <laughs> NOI. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what we that's what drives our business. And that's what, you know, is a, the lifeline of the value of apartments and, and yeah. the value that you're doing, you know, are your, how is that growing? So that would be my one. Yeah. And, and I think that can be translated to EBITDA for any business, right? Like after all expenses paid is the business making money, right? What's your profit? So, yeah. That's the, exactly. And, and then, and then you can determine all kinds of things, whether it's worth it or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What book would you recommend? You kind of already threw out who, not how, did you have another one maybe that you'd recommend for a six figure owner trying to get to seven? You know, thinking grow rich is a classic, you know? So I think if you're pro I bet a lot of people who are in this six figure arena have 
I've read that. I like uh, Stephen Covey's The Four Disciplines of Execution. That's a really good one for business okay. owners. They, they talk about lead measures, lag measures, hiring systems and everything. So that's a really good one as far as tracking where you want to go. That's good. Yeah. Great recommendation. Yeah. The, the thinking grow rich, it's it, like you said, it's a classic and most people probably have read it. My challenge to that would be, I don't know if most people have really read it, you know, yeah, I've read it like, like 10 times. Yeah. Yes. Or, or like how many times or how, like, do you actually write down what you're supposed to write down? Do you actually do what it is that that book tells you to do? Cause I'll tell you, if that's the only book I had, if I, if I can only pick one book just to read over and over, it'd be that one. That one, that one gives you pretty much everything you need. Okay. So next question, do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? All the time. I just got back from that. I'm in Northwest Arkansas right now. I was just in Dallas this week, you know, this weekend. So I, I used some of my weekend to go network with some other multifamily professionals, you know, hear about what's going on in the market, where people think they're going and, and meet some other individuals that possibly could partner up with and kind of hear their take at where they're at. So yep. I definitely making an intention and I want to continue doing more of it. You know, next, next week I'll be going to a state representative political meetup. So nice. um, that's something that I've never done before, but that's yeah, about networking. hundred percent, man. I mean, obviously with your role, it's, it's kind of a no brainer with trying to find high net worth individuals, but I mean, just from a business perspective, was there a, just because it's, it's the same in real estate, but again, I'm just trying to bring the bridge, the gap here. Was there this moment in time where you realized that relationships were like way more important than you were giving them credit for? And you kind of switched some of your focus. Yeah. I think in the beginning, you know, I was just trying to do deals and, you know, just reach out to, you know, the, the people that I might do deals with, but I, I knew that I was limiting myself by not letting more people know what I was doing and, and, and networking with others and, and, you know, giving value to them and getting, getting value from them. So yeah. there was definitely a point, you know, when I went from doing the joint ventures to syndications and that was, you know, being more available and putting myself out there more. Yeah, that's, that's good. I love it. Okay. If this is a, a new question, it's not on the, it's not on the list, but I, I'm really curious to see what you have to say. If you only had one hour a week to run your business, what would you do in that one hour to make sure that your business runs successfully? Oh man, I would be talking to my, you know, so one hour, I would have, to, you'd have to give me an hour to, to think about that, but I, I would break down that, I would break down that hour into probably 10 minute intervals and maybe even five minute intervals, maybe some 20 minute intervals, but I, I would have that broken down as, as to some high level. It would just be what well, my current day is crunched into one hour and I would have to be super highly effective in each one of those 10 minute intervals, 10 minutes talking to current invest, investors, 10 minutes talking to previous investors, 10 minutes talking to potential ones. So that would be 30 minutes. Then I would talk 10 minutes to our, our property manager, like our asset manager, the asset manager oversees the property manager, see how our properties are performing, see if our projections are going well. I would talk to 10 minutes to our acquisitions guys, see what we're in the pipeline, see how that's going. And then another 10 minutes would be would be talking to George and Eric, our CEO and CEO. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's the breakdown. It'd be all people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I'd just be talking to people. Yeah. Gotta, gotta be able to extend the reach. Okay. And then last question, Brian, if you lost it all, man, what would you do? Wow. That's a good question, man. You know, I, I would do, I would do the same thing I'm doing now. I, I would go, you know, 
maybe I would try to be a property manager somewhere and kind of work my way up there, pick up some site work somewhere. But I, I would definitely go into my field and I would just work my way back up. You know, maybe that's and maybe that'd be on the property level and, and go from there. I would do a lot of networking, that's for sure. I would be connecting with people. I would see what they could use in their business. What, how could I add value to them? You know, yeah. maybe work for free for a little bit, you know, to, for someone where that I want to go, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. All great answers. I love it. I love the most, the fact that you just, you just start all over. Like, I think that's just the, the, the most simple, I think all entrepreneurs think about it like that, you know, but to actually like put yourself in that moment and go, okay, it's all gone. What am I going to do? You know, I think it, I think it keeps us, uh, keeps us sharp, keeps us humble, keeps us ready. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like it. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Right. If someone listening today is just like, okay, I got to get connected to this guy. I got to learn real estate from this guy. I want to invest with this guy. How can they contact you? Find you? Brian, B-R-I-N at elevatecig.com. I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So it's Brian Wagers on all those channels. Elevate CIG is the name of our company and our website as well. There you go. You guys have heard it here. So thank you, Brian, for being here and just sharing just a little bit of the, the wealth of knowledge that you have and and man, you, I think you just, you gave a little bit of the recipe of what you've got, but I, I look forward to continuing the relationship, maybe even doing some deals together, man. I think that I've got some people that you need to meet and probably vice versa. So I'm excited to continue that as well. Sounds good, Chess. Great talking to you. Yeah, man. We wish you nothing but success. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.